head over to GameToppersLLC.com. Click on the link that will send you over to the late pledge for their 3.0 Kickstarter. I talked about my Watson and putting After the Empire on it. It looked amazing. But if you already have a Game Topper and you didn't jump into the 3.0, you can go ahead and get the leg kit added. But there's even something else there that is intriguing that I think would make, I know personally, a way for me not to have to tear it down and then put it back on. You can get a dining gaming cover. That's right, a cover for your game topper that's covering a table. That's kind of like uh, uh, Inception, the movie Inception, a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream. But over here at Game Toppers, you can put that cover on, leave it up, have a great big pizza dinner, throw that to the side, throw the toppers off the top of it, and there's the game sitting there waiting for you with some, I don't know, oil from pepperoni because you weren't smart enough and put a tablecloth on it. Come on, people. You got to protect your game, even if there's a game topper, dining topper on top of it. Wow, that's a lot of toppings. A pepperoni, a dining table topper, and a game topper. There's, there's just everywhere. And then, of course, there's the extension leaf. And then also, there are all the mats. I am very excited for that. I still need to get out my mats and protect them. But I may just hold off until I order up a couple more mats that he has put out there. So head over to Game Toppers LLC. y'all it's time for another episode of rolling dice and taking names today the guys review imperium mandala stones plus a few other games they were able to get to the table they also read some of the dad jokes that thank heavens you listeners sent in Whew, saying all that made me really thirsty well in just a few minutes we'll be trying our pepsi peeps and i'll give you a sip i'm going to take more than a sip Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 231. I'm not your stepping stone, Tony. I know I'm yours. <laughs> okay, this is the first, right? Is this the first monk? No, wait a minute. No. Maybe we've used um, I'm, not a, I'm Not a Believer or something like that from the monkeys. I'm probably last train to Clarksville. Oh, you're, you're right. So never mind. It's, not, it's probably not a first. Did you watch the monkeys growing up? Uh, I watched them in reruns, but yes, I did watch them. I loved the monkeys. I did too. I did quickly. Name all four of them. Uh, Peter, Davey, Mickey. Peter, Davey. And, oh, what was Nesbitt? What was Nesbitt's character? Mike. Yeah, can you give the last names for extra credit? I can't remember Davey's. Uh, Davey Jones? Davey Jones. Peter Townsend. No, I know that's not Peter right. Tork. Peter Tork. Uh, Mike uh, Nesbitt. And, Nesbitt. And Nesmith. Nesbitt and Mickey Dolans. There you got it. And do you know what uh, Mike Nesmith's mom is famous for? Uh, where's the beef? She helped invent the post-it pad. The post? No, I did not know that. Hold on, I better check this. See that? No, that's five dollars, baby. <laughs> See that? All of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, was it white out? Was it white out? Was it this? No, I don't know. I know that um, of the bands, of the bands that were coming out of the, um, I guess you could call them boy bands back then. I don't know mm -hmm. the show bands that were white out. She invented liquid paper. Liquid paper. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, that I mean, uh, okay. Of the musicians on the monkeys. Who were natural musicians when they started? 
Uh, only Peter Tork. I thought. I thought it was Davy Jones was always a s- singer. He could sing. I thought Mike Nesbitt was the original. I, th- I think Peter Tork, I know, had musical capabilities. Did he? Mickey couldn't play the drums. Yeah, Mickey couldn't play the drums. Uh, I think Mike. I think Mike did some. I, I don't know. I, I know Peter was the one that had a lot of it. Mm. And uh, eventually, you know, they started writing a lot of their own songs. People wrote songs for them. They started writing their own. They actually had, if you go back and listen to them, they had some decent tunes. They weren't just, you know, 60s bubblegum rock. No. Rock. I mean, Stepping Stone's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a believer. Let's see which ones I like. Uh, do you, I was going to say Billie Jean. That's not, uh, Sweet, 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 is it Sweet Jean Blues? Uh, Sweet Caroline. No. 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 See, it must be a favorite because you remember it so well. He's singing the lyrics so he can get to the refrain. So if we give him dead air, he might be able to get there. Because I know more than I did before, but I know all that I need. For I love you and I know you love me. I liked that song. You liked that song? Was that one of your yeah. favorites? I mean, that wasn't Papa, G- Papa Jean Blues. That was the name of the song, but that wasn't, that wasn't Papa Jean Blues, though. Last Train to Clarksville, Pleasant Valley Sunday. I'm a believer. I've already mentioned a uh, little bit me, a little bit you. I mean, there were some um, amazing songs, except for the one about the dogs. I'm going to buy me a dog <laughs> <laughs> because I need a friend now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How now, brown cow? Oh, it's sad that I remember that. I mean, those songs have been out of my mind for decades. That's how much I watched those reruns as a kid. And the song of the episode was always toward the end when there was a big chase scene. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure there was a misunderstanding somewhere in there. Like when the spies came or something. I, yeah, it was hard telling. So, oh, but I, I, I really enjoyed those. I, I mean, I don't know if they, they, stay fresh as they are now. I mean, today, who knows? I doubt it. Uh, probably not. Probably not. I mean, obviously, you know, that came off the whole Beatles thing and they wanted to capitalize off like the American Beatles. Absolutely. They knew, and I forget the, I mean, they were putting out some songs. I mean, the, the gentleman who wrote the, the originals, all the first original songs, mm-hmm. he was just hammering those songs. I mean, they had to get them out quick, 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 quick. Cause that's how they were making the money back in two minutes and 30 some seconds, or that's some standard about the, you couldn't about be the length of the song. Yeah. The length of the song. I mean, it was no Bohemian Rhapsody. We know that. Uh, no, it was not. And it's probably a lot easier to produce too. Hey, guess what? What? Uh, we finally got our Pepsi Peeps drink here. Now, for those who do not remember, earlier in the year, Pepsi was running a contest to where uh, if you submitted an image on Twitter or Instagram and tagged them, uh, then you might be able to be one of the few lucky, lucky ones to try a Pepsi-flavored Peeps. And Tony... You and I were one of the lucky ones chosen for this. And we actually got this a few weeks ago, but due to vacation and schedules, this is the first time that we've been able to sit down and record and actually try this drink. So uh, I question the, are we the lucky ones? We will find out in a second. Now it's a cute little can. Mm-hmm. It's only, it's only uh, 15 fluid ounces. We only got three of these. Okay. And what was amazing, it was a huge box with just three little cans in it and a and a box of peeps. 
I was wondering, because when they showed it, you were supposed to get four. And I was wondering, you know, I, I was fine. I only needed one. But I was like, I wonder who in the Connell family was going to be tasting this with you. Uh, nobody's tasted it yet, but they're, they are in the other room waiting for me to hand off the can to them for them to try. Because I have a feeling this is going to be really, really sweet. Yeah. Uh, first off, no zero sugar. So it's going kill, to no. kill your points. Um, I'm sure it's going to be because peeps are sweet. Right now, I will admit I poured some out for Donna already, and she tasted it, and I watched her intently. I wanted okay. to see that face, and she okay. goes, "Well, do you want to try it too?" And I said, "No, I cannot. We have to have full experience here when we're recording. We do not want to. Oh, I don't know, rig it. We don't need to Fake do it. that. Fake it. Yeah, it's not <laughs> going to happen. So I am ready, sir. It's already open. It's cool in my little glass here. Right. My- Mine is not open, so." Oh, so Avid is in the. So it's just regular Pepsi color. I see yours is in a glass. Yes. Oh, get a little bit. Ooh. It smells like peeps. It smells sweet, too. It sm- Are you ready? Hold on. Okay. Uh, let it breathe. It's got to breathe some. Okay, here we go. Man. All right. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. It's so sweet, it almost makes you pucker. It made me. Holy cow. What you know that you know when you drink something or have something really sweet and it like coats your mouth? That's exactly what this does. I got some aftertaste happening here. Oh my gosh! Woo! And Donna's already told me you got to finish it. I'm done with it. <laughs> Here's the thing: the aftertaste is the peeps taste. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since I had any. I had peeps at Easter, so I wanted to make sure. Let me take another sip here. You know what? I'm going to run and let Vanessa taste this. And I'm going to tell you what the result was. All okay. Right. All right. All right. A few moments later. All right. So Vanessa had an opposite reaction. She thought it would be more sweet and she liked it. Okay. All right. But okay. she has a sweet tooth. She has a serious sweet tooth. All right. Well, I'm going to chase it with a little Coke Zero real quick. Yeah. I'm chasing it with a uh, butter pecan iced coffee from a Duncan. Oh, man. That is one. I could never. I, I never developed a taste for coffee. I just couldn't do it. If you make it sweet enough and with the flavor. Nope. 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 The only way I will have coffee is when Donna makes chocolate cakes and she puts coffee. Yeah. She puts coffee in her chocolate cakes to bring out the chocolate, of course. Like a mocha. No, it's not mocha. There is no coffee taste. It just. Oh. Coffee enhances chocolate. So by pouring in a cup of uh, coffee, she will enhance the flavor of the chocolate when she makes cakes. And that's how she does her chocolate cakes. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty darn cool. Oh, I know. Riveting stuff here. Riveting stuff, people. A little baking tip. So that's probably the most interesting thing that's been said so far. Hey, this might be interesting. All right. Actual game news. Okay. All right. So so this is big game news. And don't remember, I want to follow this up with something else. Okay. That will bring us back into levels so that we're level set. Okay. Here we go. All right. So so there's two big game announcements. And we'll do the, the first one. <laughs> We'll do the first one first from uh, Fantasy Flight Games. They've been teasing, maybe doing some big Arkham Horror reveals this June. Have you seen the Facebook where they got the little puzzle pieces? Things are missing. Yes, yes. But I'm not talking about that. It's the other announcement where they're changing how they do their expansions from now on. Now, going back all the way to... uh, Lord of the Rings, every time in the co-op games, Lord of the Rings... Arkham Horror and Mar- not no not Marvel Champions. Never mind. Uh, they've had basically a deluxe expansion and then packs that's released after it 
for that campaign. They are now getting away from that model. With the next expansion, what they're going to do is have two releases. One is the complete campaign in one box. And the other is just a box of brand new investigators. Now, for those who don't know, typically when you buy these packs and everything, they're all merged. You get some campaign stuff. You get some investigator stuff. It was the same thing with Lord of the Rings. You had the scenario cards. You had hero cards. Now they're totally separating them. And what used to cost... 130 bucks for buying the deluxe expansion than all six mythos packs now will only cost a hundred dollars if you want to buy both one is 60 bucks and then one is 40 bucks for the for the campaign so if you're already happy with your heroes and everything just buy the campaign and you're good or like what's happening in my situation there's a guy at work that only plays with us so he's like i don't need to buy the campaign box I'll just buy the heroes or the investigators so I can modify my deck. It's a brilliant move by Fantasy Flight. And I think it's one of those that's going to bring a lot more people back into the game. Because you may not realize this, Tony, but some of those packs as they came out went out of print really quick. And then you had to wait for a reprint to get them. And then they only came out every six weeks. Well, if you missed one, you didn't want to start playing till you had them all. And then you're just sitting there. Like for me, I just now got the final mythos pack from the expansion before last thanks to carolina tabletop games ordering it for me when it finally became available i guess this is big news is this a way to save money or is it just a way to make everything easier for you consumers both because as a consumer it's 30 dollars cheaper okay and it's a lot easier because now i haven't got to chase these mythos packs i can't um it's like Oh my gosh, I forgot to order that one. And now it's gone. Mm -hmm. And what's nice about this is you buy the box, you sit down and start playing right then. You haven't got to wait every six weeks to get the next story okay, or the next scenario. So some people who may buy a scenario, play it, then they have to wait six weeks and they may forget oh, what was happening in the story, et cetera. So now everything's in, in one box. Marvel Champions has already been kind of doing that. For example, uh, the latest one that's based on... Uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which we just started playing, and we've been using the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, heroes and stuff. Everything is contained in one box. So there's no like additional expansions that come out to continue the campaign. The campaign's all self-contained in a box, and now they've kind of taken that and applied it to Arkham Horror. Okay, well, it sounds like we're going to get some legs out of Arkham Horror then. I will. It's uh, I still buy everything, and now it's going to be even uh, easier to buy. I used to have to go to Miniature Market and basically pre-order to make sure I didn't miss one. Well, in case you ever need to, you know, I don't know, in your when you're in your mid sixties to seventies and you need a way to start some fire or something, you'll have plenty of cards. I will. I have I have I found my Warcry cards. Oh, so good. No, I found the starter decks. Not starter decks, the demo decks. Oh, okay. A whole handful of them. And Ignacy from Portal Games said he would love to revisit that game. So next time we're together, I'm going to bring the demo decks. We'll sit down and try it. Okay. And are we going to ship some to Poland? I'm good on that. I know how to ship stuff overseas now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You're getting really good at that with uh, our promo card and everything. Yeah, our, our Empires of the North promo card. So I was just like, man. I, well, that's okay. All right. See, I didn't pay a lot of attention to that because, once again, I don't collect it. So thank you for educating me on one of the changes FFG is doing. Now, another thing that I had to sign my life away and give away my second born, not that I will ever have another <laughs> child, but just saying 
we've got the other big news that they've been teasing about. They trusted us. And everybody already knows about it who's listening to this because it was released. The brand new game from Fantasy Flight Games, Unfathomable, which is the old Battlestar Galactica game rethemed in the Arkham Horror universe. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you realize this, Tony, but for years, people have been really wanting a Battlestar Galactica reprint. It didn't really make sense. A TV show that's over 10 years old, they don't have that IP anymore to be able to make it the, re-release it. So they had the mechanics of the game. They own that. But now they're just going to retheme it. And that's what they've done with Unfathomable. Mm-hmm. This is a game designed by uh, Tony Fanchi, and it's based on the original design, uh, which was from uh, Corey Kaneska, uh, who we love. And uh, the whole thing is, is this takes place before a lot of the stuff that currently happens in Arkham Horror. There is a steamship, the SS Atlantica, that is two days out from port on its voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. It's suspecting passengers anticipated a calm journey to Boston with nothing out of the ordinary to look forward to. However, strange things happen because it's an Arkham game. And unbeknownst to many of those people on that ship, there are deep ones walking among them that's trying to keep that ship from ever making it to port. This is a deduction game to where some of you are going to be those passengers. Some of you will be the deep ones and the passengers are trying to make it safe. Deep ones are trying to stop them from ever getting there, which is a lot like Battlestar Galactica. If you remember, Tony, the whole thing was trying to get Galactica to Earth, right? Except there were Cylons on board that's trying to stop your progress. Same sort of thing here. So I only played Battlestar Galactica once. Mm -hmm. I don't remember it. I really don't. Mm. It was not a memorable encounter. Mine was not as memorable as yours based on what happened with uh, all the 25 expansions that Mark threw in and, and set up the Cylons incorrectly. I didn't have that experience. So I don't remember that game very well. This would be like a new game to me. Yes, it 100% will be. A lot of the game is trying to collect resources and try to get the fuel and everything to get the ship across. Again, we just only have the press release, so we don't know too much about it. But we do know that some of you will be the deep ones. And out in the ocean, you have Mother Hydra and Father Dagon, who's trying to basically take down this ship. In the original games, it was basically, you know, the Battle Stars or whatever the Cylon big ships were, you know, sending out the Cylon Raiders in order to try to take town Galactica and stuff. Now you've got the deep ones circling the ship, trying to attack it and everything. You're still going to have the same sort of thing with Test. I don't know if you remember this, Tony. So at the end of everybody's turn, there's a car that's flipped over and you have to, it's kind of like uh, Dead of Winter, where everybody has to contribute a certain resource to this test in order for it to pass. And that's where the traders come into play, right? Because they'll try to sabotage that and to make sure that a test doesn't pass, then something bad happens. Yeah, I mean, we've got an example in the press release where um, food rationing, you have to make a hard decision as to do you want people to this, to be hungry or not? You contribute cards. Okay. And you ha- you're looking to match these certain icons. And if you get enough of them, you pass. If you don't, you fail and something bad happens. Such as? Uh, it depends on the card. So an example here is there's a hole leak. If you pass, hey, congratulations, no effect. If you fail, you're going to damage the ship. They're going to introduce brand new characters, uh, characters that we've never seen before because this is taking earlier in time. It's got some gorgeous art. This is going to be coming out in September, and this is going to be a huge deal. Now, a lot of people have already guessed what this was. Um, there were some early leaks and some play tests of this game, and so that's what they've been teasing for the past almost 10 days now. 
And it's going to be big. Uh, I think if, if people really enjoy Battlestar Galactica, they're going to pick it up to play this style of game. And if people like Arkham Horror, they're probably going to pick it up. Now, Tony, there is one thing. This game plays three to six players, and it can play anywhere from two to four hours. So they didn't shorten the game any at all. And there's accusations and traitors. One of my favorite mechanics. Yes. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll always give anything a try, you know? And if, if you, with the right group, fun will abound. Stories will be told later in life. If you like Battlestar... Now, wait, hold on. If you like Battlestar, will you be kind of taken aback because they've taken the game that you love and rethemed it? I'm sure some people will be like, I, I prefer that theme more, but people got to be practical and have some common sense and realize that that's just not going to happen now. And it doesn't make any sense, again, based on a TV show that hadn't been around in many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know from my own family experience, my daughter's never seen Battlestar, but she understands monsters. She doesn't, even right. have, she doesn't have to even know anything about Arkham Horror. All she right. needs to know is that there's these monsters attacking a ship, and one is people are being possessed, and all she's got to do is figure out who the person is that's possessing it. So again, it's going to be a big seller. I just predict it now. So some huge news from Arkham Horror. A lot of people keep saying Arkham Horror LCG. Uh-oh, I wonder if they're phasing it out with this new model. I think it's going to bring a lot of people in. You got this uh, brand new game coming out from the guy who also, he had, uh, I looked it up, he also helped and design uh, Star Wars Outer Realm. Which ooh, we enjoy too. I, is, is there an expansion for that game? <laughs> that was a five dollar uh, gift card I had to pay out because no, there's not an expansion uh, for that okay. game. Now, Tony, remember when I said that uh, Unfathomable could take two to four hours? Yep. Uh, you should be used to a four hour game, oh, from what Lord. I hear, with your experience of After the Empires, which you said you was mm. going to tell us about in this episode. All right. So, so first off, laid out my. Game topper so that the boyfriend of my daughter could be impressed by my awesome toy, right? That's a great toy. The game topper slapped that thing down on my table outside, got after the empire. Everybody, I know Rebecca would enjoy it and her boyfriend, uh, both of them would enjoy the type of game like this. And then, of course, Donna wants to spend time with her daughter and she's, mm-hmm. uh, she's going to join us. This game's not that hard. Y'all have played games like this. You have played games where you are placing a worker in the field and taking that action. Mm-hmm. I said, there's nothing difficult about this. And what you're trying to do is build up the defenses of your fort, of your castle. That's it. That's all you're trying to do. I said, now the complicated thing, and we will walk through this, is when people attack. Matter of fact, let's do an example. Okay. So I did an example. I'm saying, is everybody getting this? Everybody feeling it right now? You got to feed your people, about your soldiers and mercenaries. Every time we had to fight, I had to walk each person through the encounter. Mm -hmm. For some odd reason, that was the difficult part, was trying to get that encounter handled. How, okay, which way are they coming in? No, they're not coming from that. Okay, look at the card. It's coming from the other side. Okay, north, south, (laughs) east, and west. Did that mess them up? Yes. Because, you know, it's dependent on where you're sitting around the table. Absolutely. I said, just take the car, put it on top. It's right there. So we're all dealing with it in the same direction. What? I was like, oh, okay, here we go. I almost thought, okay, should I leave out the siege engines? Mm -hmm. I wish I had. 
Was that an option to leave out the siege engines? It is when I play. Okay. House rule it. Yeah. House rule it. That just made it more complicated? Yeah. Yeah. Because, okay, what is the trebuchet hitting? How is it damaging the towers? Oh, wait, they're ladders. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, they're going to come over into your castle. By the third round, we were getting into the flow, but you know, when you're sitting there, you're having to walk through each person. The game can draw out tremendously. Still love the game. Enjoyed the game a lot. Um, Donna looked at me, said, enjoy playing that with Marty. I said, okay. <laughs> I understand. You know, we, she she said, yeah, I'm glad Noah liked it. I'm glad Rebecca enjoyed it. However, I think this was a little too much, especially since it's 1 a.m. in the morning. I said, understand, baby. I did not think. The box says it's only going to take this long. And the teach was easy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all right. But that's okay. I mean, we, we finished that up. And the next one that we played was Stone Age. And I discovered something. Rebecca's um, boyfriend was having more enjoyment out of building little piles of the resources in Stone Age instead of, instead of getting points. I'm like, dude, you're, you're missing the concept here. It's about scoring points. And what, but if I collect all these resources, y'all can't have any. I go, no, no, look, the rules. The rules say you can use anything to account as resource. Oh, man, that's not right. I'm like, oh, okay, good gosh. All right, whatever. Did they have to smell the cup? I didn't even go there. I thought about it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I won. I wasn't going to make anybody smell the cup. Smell the cup? I mean, they, they got um, Pillars of the Earth. They said, the, the game about building a church. I said, you understand that one. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing the worker placement games. Mm-hmm. So, because everybody seems to enjoy those. Don enjoys playing those. And another one we tried, Vienna Connection. I don't know if you've heard of about this one. I've heard a little bit about it. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's from a, our sponsor, Portal. That's portalgamesus.com, where it will redirect you to shop Portal. Yeah, yeah, we'll go over that in the commercial. Vienna Connection played it with four players. Same group that took four hours to play after the Empire. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing any foreshadowing here, Marty? I, um, I assume this game probably went longer than what you were expected. Yes, it did. I'll just a little bit. And in the in halfway through it, my wife said, "I'm going to bed." <laughs> she got up and left. I was like, "What? What's going?" She goes, "I'm not understanding this." I don't get it. Did she play detective? We did. We played it. And um, it's a lot. Detective's a lot quicker, isn't it? I don't know. I haven't played Vienna Connection. You took the copy. Well, so what's the difference between Detective and Vienna Connection? To be honest with you, it is simpler mechanics, in my opinion, where Vienna Connection, you're not trying to move your little car around. Uh-huh. And you're not having to track all of that. I really think that was brilliant. All I'm doing is when I show a card... I'm doing exposure because you're spies. Okay. All right. And you're, and you're trying to infiltrate, infiltrate the Eastern block. All okay. Right? And you're trying to get various missions. Can't really go into a lot of detail here, but basically it plays like detective, except I'm going to go to this area. Oh, look, I have been exposed this amount. And when you fill up, like if I'm going to the police precinct and I fill up X amount of squares then I have to go to another area. And when I run out of those squares, then the game is over and we see how well we did. Gotcha. Okay. And it's a series, it's a, it's an overarching long story, right? Mm-hmm. Broken up into campaigns. How many campaigns is it? Uh, there's four in the box. If I remember okay. correctly, I've mm-hmm. only made it through. We only made it through one mm-hmm. and they left. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do it solo. Do you use the database, the online database like Detective? And Terry's database, you sure do. And okay. and you're putting in these codes. There's some uh, cryptographs that you need to solve. Oh, you need, cool. You need to understand that. Actually, you're supposed to go online. They've got this little wireless uh, symbol, you know, Wi-Fi symbol, where you can go and look up things if you don't understand them. That was kind of mm-hmm. cool. So based on facts. And I found it very interesting. But you know me and flavor text. And I found that when two people are reading me stuff, and I do this with you, is I zone out. Oh, yeah, you do. I do. It's my fault. It's all on me. It's not anybody else's fault. It's not Ignacy's fault. It's my fault. When you go and you start reading a page of stuff, you know how you'll start mumbling? Yeah, yeah. And they were doing that. I'm like, guys, I'm not following you. You're mumbling. You're mumbling. You're reading to the piece of paper. All right. So they've never played one of these. So I will, I will say if you've played detective, you enjoyed it, you will be used to this. And it's a longer experience experience and it's legacy because the, the stories carry over. So did detective. Yeah. I mean, the first detective was, was a series of stories. Uh, I like the theme of this one. I like the whole espionage and spy theme. Uh, you know, where detective was, was had a different feel and flavor to it. So I like the theme of this one a lot. Yeah. And if certain puzzles aren't solved then they don't carry forward and you can never get to them. So it'll change the story. Very cool. So I think of it like, what was it? Those read adventure books go to page 16. No, go to page 86. So is the same sort of cards. It's like in detective, uh, where sometimes you get to flip over the cards. Sometimes you don't have to make a decision. You'll jump from one card to another sort of deal. Yes. And you may have additional exposure or along those lines. If it tells you, you just have to figure out how that's uh-huh. all going to be. So a lot, the, the big difference I think people need to concentrate on is the, it's based on exposure and you're not moving a little police car around. I told, I actually totally follow what you're saying there. And then the amount of exposure it used to be, you had so many hours in a day. And when you moved your police car, it would take this many hours to get from one location to another. But now what you're saying is that the exposure is what is the game clock now. Yes, because they find out that you are trying, you are on the Eastern block and you have been exposed and therefore they're going to go gunning for you. So it's time to get out there. Gotcha. That sounds really cool. And it is out right now for anybody who wants to go check it out. Again, you know, Ignazi's very proud of his moniker or slogan of board games that tell stories. And this is another line of that from the very successful detective series, uh, taking it, tweaking it a little bit and providing you. Uh, and it sounds like a really fun experience of sitting around with your family and friends. And, you know, yes, there is a lot of reading. There's a lot of deduction, but that's that's part of it. It's a pizza game to me. You bring in a pizza, you bring in a few drinks, you throw cards on the table and you sit around and just talk and discuss and look up things on the Internet and try to figure out the puzzle. But if that is not how you are, then it's going to be a solo game. Gotcha. For me, it is a solo game. I cannot sit there and listen to you tell me all this stuff you know, read me three paragraphs. It's not going to happen for me. And, and that's just, that's just an age thing. I tried. And what I wanted to teach them is empires of the North, because I, like you, I have all the various um, expansions. And I said, Ooh, maybe I could teach them this as well, but that didn't make it to the table. And I was kind of scared to open that game up because I do not have something that you recently got. Segway. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> hey, it worked. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we got a, uh, a folded space insert for empires of the North, a uh, miniature market contacted us and said, Hey, 
uh, we know you guys like Portal games. Uh, we know you like Empires of the North. Would you like to check this out? And I said, yes, I would, because with the recent expansion, Egyptians, which we just talked about in our last episode, I was finding it hard to get everything in the box and fit and not slide all over the place. But Ignacy pointed out, if you did it correctly, you wouldn't have this problem. But if you have this problem... Yes, I mean, and you're right. And the thing is, I also had some promo cards and stuff in there, too. So, and the, like the solo stuff and everything. So, uh, this is my first time putting together a folded space insert. And, uh, Tony, I believe you got one. I'm not sure if you messed with it yet, but it's, it's core foam mm -hmm. with like a layer of paper on the outside that makes it extremely durable. And it's pre-cut to where you can, uh, bend it and fold it. And there's instructions inside on how to do that. And you just take Elmer's glue. And basically you use that in order to seal the corners after you fold it up. It sets pretty quick. Uh, it's very easy to assemble, but one thing I love about this, Tony, is it is super lightweight. There is a lot of foam in there that creates, uh, for the Empires of the North, it was several trays, it was card holders and stuff, and it added hardly any weight to the game box whatsoever. So now I have all my factions put into the individual slots uh, in, in the holder, I've got the trays with all the resources so that when we play, I can just pull out the trays and set it on the table. The insert that Ignacy made for Empires of the North is, is great. It's a fantastic plastic insert. I love the little resource tray that you can pull out and use and everything like that. I was just running into a space issues and I wanted to see how a folded space insert works and it works really, really well. Again, the thing that impressed me, it is easy to assemble. And it is super, super lightweight. You know, we've been a fan of the Broken Token for a long time. But some of their inserts, when you get a, a big insert into Ooh. a box, it adds a decent amount of weight to that box. It's impressive. So Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. You could do a lot of... Broken Token, you could do a lot of uh, interesting... Uh, designs with it, with uh, with designs and the, and the way that it's uh, put together and you can emboss it and burn things in and little insignias on it, stuff like that. You really can't do that with this. I mean, when you look at it, it's literally just squares and trays and uh, little uh, dividers and stuff amongst the foam. So the broken token, the way it looks and everything is like, oh, that looks really impressive in the box. You get the same sort of organization with the folded space, but a fraction of the weight. Right. And it'll be interesting to see how they hold up. Because I, I got the insert for Imperial Settlers or 51st State. Mm -hmm. So I've got to get that put together. And these things are, you know, we're sounding like we're doing our miniature market commercial. You just want to cut and paste all this over here. Oh! And they're also dirt cheap. $15. I think this one's like, yeah, $15 for this one. It's dirt cheap. So they are a little bit cheaper than a lot of other organizers because the foam is so inexpensive. And it's just, again, it's a special type of foam. It's very durable. And I was wondering, will Elmer's glue really hold this stuff together? It seems pretty durable after it dried overnight. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to use uh, like the fabric glue. Uh, it comes in the gold canister. I know Vanessa has it sitting around there. Or I definitely not use spray glue. I got some of that stuff. That stuff, will, I spray that and I got stuck everywhere. It was kind they of They recommended, is it it's either PVC or PCV glue, which is Elmer's glue. Okay. All right. And I did get what they call the super Elmer's, which bonds a little bit tighter. It's like two bucks at Target or something like that. So I picked some of that up and uh, used it. And it was a piece of cake. Okay. Well, let me let me see your incredible segue. I did mine. Um, I'm looking at the list here to go. What would make sense after the Empires of the North insert? You like trains? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you 
know I love my trains, man. And I, I've the show note that you have here, I don't know why you would stick in. I, I mean, I went to the link and the Lionel train store at Concord Mills, which is a mall near us. And I've, I've been to that store, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought this would be something new. This is the only Lionel store in the U.S. Yeah, I've, but it's been, I can't remember. I don't know how long it's been there. I'm trying to think if I... I haven't been to Concord Mills in a while, maybe two mm. years, for obvious reasons. And um, I I saw that, and I'm like, well, I need to get back there. But it makes sense, but I love their website. Oh, and by the way, we're Concord Mills. we got all these trains and NASCAR memorabilia. We've just opened <laughs> up a whole bunch of stuff for NASCAR. All right, for those who don't know, Concord is basically where the um, Charlotte Motor Speedway is located, and there are a lot of NASCAR garages around Concord. So, yes, there will be an appeal for that. And for those of you who don't even know what NASCAR is, it is racing where you <laughs> only turn left on some tracks. <laughs> Using stock, and I put air quotes around that, stock cars. Well, all the cars have to meet certain specifications and measurements, and they are all have the various restrictor plates. And if you break one single rule, you're out. Yeah, but the whole uh, idea of a stock car was basically a car that any of us could buy and you go and race it. And that changed decades ago. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as you and I know, because of where we live, we know how it got its roots. The roots are in the fact that they were running moonshine in the mountains of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And they would take, and when they weren't doing that, they would all meet up in Daytona and take those cars and they would race out on the beach of Daytona. Mm -hmm. And there you go, people, for your NASCAR. And that's not $5 if I messed anything up because it's at the NASCAR Hall of Fame located here in Charlotte, North Carolina. They owe you $5, not me. So anyway, I didn't know you knew about that. So I just thought it was interesting because I knew at one time you were big into into trains. I thought it would just be interesting to go there. Uh, it's it's fun, interesting. At a mall near me, they have a slot car store where they had these big tracks set up and you could build your own custom slot cars and then have the standard, you know, controllers. And these are huge tracks, huge tracks with a car that's probably six to eight inches long. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things I think would be an interesting hobby. You don't remember, do you? You might. When we had the apartment, when we first uh, lived together in Charlotte, do you remember that? Total Control Racing TCR? I brought out my TCR track, man. We were playing <laughs> some TCR, baby. I loved the TCR track was not a slotted track. Instead, what it was, uh, there were no slots, but using the controller, you could cause the car to switch lanes. Mm -hmm. And so you could use it to pass cars. And then you had, was it the pace car that just ran by itself along the outside? So you always constantly ran into that thing and had to go around it. Uh, or the ambulance, one of the two. Mm -hmm. And then being the nerds that we are, we got out the um, ohm meter and we were measuring the resistance on some <laughs> of the cars because one car was always faster than the other. Yep. And then, of course, my cat loved watching it and he would, and that was one of our obstacles, he would try to swat at the cars. Mm -hmm. Or when I would play just you know, by myself trying to, you know, master passing that stupid pace car. Oh, God, that was so much fun. That's up there with Super Jock. Super Jock. Love Super Jock. <laughs> That was, a, that was a college toy. So, yeah. Okay. All those toys from our childhood. Uh, that, that's really cool. Another thing from my childhood, arcade games. 
And I had mentioned this gaming expo from a couple of years ago when I went. The Southern Fried Gaming Expo is coming back, Tony, and it's going to be delayed a little bit. A little bit. It's going to be in Atlanta, August 20th to 22nd. They've reached out to us, and if possible, they said, hey, we'd love to, y'all to come down. We want to grow our tabletop experience. Now, when I was there last, I ran a couple panels. I demoed some games, and I said, it, it really depends on the schedule. I've got my youngest is getting ready to go into college. When does he move in? Blah, blah, blah. But Southern Fried Gaming Expo is an amazing event where basically you have free-to-play arcade and pinball machines and a huge floor. Like, like if you go to Gen Con, imagine the Gen Con floor basically being nothing but free-to-play arcade games and pinball machines. Play them all weekend, but they also have a huge board game library. They have board game tournaments. They have video game tournaments. It's in a nice hotel. It's an amazing experience, and they w- it will be happening again this year, August 20 to 22nd, and you can go to their website, Southern Fried Gaming Expo, to get more details. That's going to be held in Atlanta, Georgia again, right? It is. Okay. I couldn't remember. I mean, the last time you went, it was in Atlanta or the outskirts of Atlanta, so it'll be interesting to see how they're going to continue to grow and get more space and things like that. Um, I have not mentioned this to Donna yet, so who knows? I would love to go. She would love to go. She loves pinball, playing pinball. Mm-hmm. Problem is, we would be doing that instead of playing board games. And that's so, and he's okay with that. I mean, it's not like we have to play board games the entire time because, oh my gosh, I I don't know how much time I spent playing Tempest. It was it was that and Robotron. I was just playing over and over because I was trying to relearn my mad Robotron skills, and they were kind of coming back a little bit. When when I played Robotron and I was really good, I got into the zone to where I was doing things without thinking about it. You know, you know when you're like mm-hmm. the, the reflex, things are just happening with your with your body and your fingers. It's like, I can't believe I'm pulling this off. And then as soon as I realize I'm pulling it off, I died. Okay. So <laughs> it's like it just became second nature for me, especially the one. I don't know if you know a lot about Robotron. There's uh, the called the grunt level where there's a hundred mm-hmm. grunts on the screen, which is probably the one of the most difficult to clear. And I swear there were times when I was when I was a kid playing that game, I was making moves that I could not believe I was pulling off. Oh, I love that game. When you were kids, you were a teenager. Shut up to me. I don't want to hear. I mean, it's it's your what is it called? Muscle memory. It was coming back to you. All that was yes. coming back yeah. to you. And Tempest was coming back to me too. I used to be good at those two games, Tempest and Robotron. I was good at. I was never good at any of those. Really? What what arcade game were you good at? I wasn't good, not good at any of really? them. Really? No. I I enjoyed playing Tron, but when it got too fast, I would quickly die. I played um this one that I don't remember the name of it, but the spaceships would open up and you had to shoot the bullet inside of them or the the to blow them up and you would fly around and you'd have to knock out the sides of them in order. I forget all these games, but I would just go enjoy it. I mean, it was at our local putt putt and we would play the arcades and then go play putt putt and arcades, go play putt putt the whole nine yards. I wasn't very good at any of those games. Well, you, you mentioned Tron, so you might want to keep an eye out on E3, which is happening right as this episode released, because Player One Up or One Player, whichever one makes the home arcade games just announced Tron, a, a version of Tron is coming to the home. So you could have Tron in your house. That's okay. You're just despicable. What? Why do you do things to me? You know I'm impressionable. And here you are. Get a PlayStation. Get a PlayStation. Are we going back to this again? We hashed this last episode. I never said get a PlayStation. It's still not set up because you put in my head. 
maybe you should sell it and, and get, get, a get, get a PC. Yep. And then I told Donna this and she's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm going, but she goes, well, if Marty says you can sell it. And I said, yeah, but he's lied to me before. He's despicable. Look on eBay. I know, but then I got to ship it. And if it doesn't get there, and then I'm out all this money. No, no, it does. I got to make sure it's just a reputable buyer when it, when you, when it's sold. Yeah. How do you know that in today's hacking time? You could probably sell it locally here and save on the eBay prices. Yeah, that's what listed I thought. Listed on Facebook, buy, sell groups or whatever like that. Just put a price and say, meet me somewhere. Give me cash and we're done. And that is why you're despicable. You put it in my head. You said I could do this and that. That got me thinking, do I really want to open this up because of you, sir? You, I, I picture Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny, and I'm looking at you with my beak on top of my head, and I'm having to pull it off, snap it in, and say, you're the... Well, so let me ask you, what are you using for this video conference call right now? What am I using? I am using a PC Circa... Uh, six years ago. Okay. So pretty old PC. It probably can't do much, right? It's got an i5. It can play Guild Wars 2. Oh, it can? Yeah. I just never do. Okay. Well, I don't know. You know what you want to do, but you're pretty close to a pretty nice PC right now if you saw that PS5. Oh, and also Sony looks like they're teasing that they're going to start releasing some of the PS uh, PlayStation exclusives to the PC. Oh, well, there you go. And it's not that I need to be playing any of those video games. I know that. Then why did you buy a PlayStation if you didn't need to play in those video games? As my wife said, you wanted it and somehow you were able to get one. <laughs> I said, I didn't want one. It's Marty's fault. Oh, no, 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 no. Do not put this at my feet. If you would have told me a long time ago, which should I get? I always would have said PC because number one, you could stream better. You could edit videos. You could play games that are coming out. I mean, lots of things. Yeah, and that's true. And But I can't sit in the comfy couch playing the PC. I got to be at a desk. Donna would let you play on the TV. She wouldn't be watching. I got, I got other TVs. This can happen. This can happen. And then you have to upgrade your TV. You got to get a 4K TV to really take advantage of it. And then you got to buy the right 4K TV because it's not just any 4K TV will do. See, I don't have to worry about that because I can play on the lower models. Then PlayStation 5 is not needed because it's not, it's being wasted. Do you see how he does this, people? <laughs> do you see how this works? The manipulation. The doubt. No wonder I have buyer's remorse constantly. But that's fine. I I will decide this on my own. Maybe I should do a BGG poll that says, should I open it or not? I I did lead you down a path, and I'm sorry. I thought you would like it, and that's Monster Hunter Rise. Sounds like you said you may trade that in. So that game didn't capture you. That is my fault, because I thought that might be something that you liked. Oh, no, no, no. It's not that. I'm enjoying it. Matter of fact, I haven't played on my Switch in about 10 days, and I cranked it up today, and I was playing with the light bow gun, and that was kind of fun. But... When Super Mario Golf comes out, that's more fun for me. I'm super looking forward to that. In fact, we've had some discussion in our uh, Discord channel about uh, getting online and playing either the battle mode or uh, speed golf Mm -hmm. online with some of our people in our our audience. And I may throw some of that on the stream. So, yeah. E3 is going on right now. There's a, probably a lots of cool announcements. Uh, you and I, uh, we had planned, hopefully it went off, to where we uh, did like a, a Nintendo Direct wish list of things we'd love to see on the Switch. And uh, by this time, if we did it, we'll have seen whether uh, we were right or wrong. So I, I just love this time of year. I love the, I love E3. 
over the weekend, I'll be watching with the the boys, watching all the live streams from Microsoft and Bethesda, Capcom, Nintendo, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that I mentioned this at game night, but I had no clue that was Adam when you did the Castlevania thing on our Twitch. I had no clue. I did not recognize that boy one bit. He grew that Scottish beard. Yes. I was like, good gosh. But E3 will, maybe I won't open it until I hear about E3 and it says, well, by the way, the PlayStation 6 comes out next year. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. Soon. Not like that in Switch Pro. Oh, well, that's different. Switch is four years old. It's time for a refresh mm-hmm. on that. See, maybe I can sell the PlayStation to be ready for the Switch. I know I can get good money at GameStop for my Switch, but that's With right. money left over. With money left over. But this is a board game podcast. <laughs> so before we start covering some board games, let's pay some bills. We just talked about Vienna Connection. It, along with Empires of the North Egyptian Kings, is out right now. You can go to your local game store or you can go to the website at Portal Games us.com they got a party game tony coming out uh, later out later on this year million dollar script can't wait to see what it's all about so they're kind of have released all this stuff in the first half of the year that they're going to and now they're going to start ramping up uh, for some more product releases in the second half of the year like i said if you're a big fan of detective then you'll want to for sure check out being a connection has a little bit different twist, a little bit different story, as Tony explained. Some of the mechanics are a little bit different. And as always, if you like Empires of the North, you need to buy every expansion because they're all so totally different and each one gives you a very unique experience. So to find out more, head over to portalgamesus.com. All right, if you've stayed with us over the past, so oh, I don't know, I guess we talked for about 30 minutes about nothing. Oh, it was way more than 30 minutes. Oh, heaven forbid. I mean, we got over 2 million downloads of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. That's 2 million downloads of white noise. That's not even the full catalog. We didn't even start tracking until a few years into the show. So, yeah. So, anyway, thanks to everybody who has been listening. That was a nice little threshold to cross. We don't know the total numbers because we were too stupid when we first started the show to wait several years before we actually had a way to track downloads. Well, well that's because I didn't think we'd go beyond a few years, but that's uh, okay. <laughs> you didn't think we'd make it beyond a few months. This is absolutely, you'd get tired of editing out my all my silly mistakes and stupidity. So board game. So the, Marty brought me the next installment of the clever roll and write games. This one is clever three times. Now uh, I have the I have both the first and the second one. I also have the first and the second one on my iPad. And the clever three times, if you've played any of these games, then this game will be very similar to what you're used to. Guess what? You're rolling some dice, you're marking some spots on a piece of paper, and what they combo for you is how it changes. Marty, I mean, that's really all it is. I mean, if you have mastered the first two, then this brings a new type of challenge for you. There's ones where you're building up and building down in a row. There's an interesting aspect where you are sitting there trying to fill up columns and rows to get the special effects. Uh, When Donna and I were playing it, we played it a couple of times. I said, okay, of the three, which do you like best? And she's looking at me and she goes, you know, they're all so different, like them equally. And I was like, okay, but which one do you like best? Answer the question. 
And she's like, um, I enjoyed the first one still the best. Mm. I said, okay. And I go, well, which one do you like the least? And she goes, I, I don't like any of them uh, the least. And I said, well, I like, I don't like number two. Number two wasn't one of my favorite. There was a mechanism I didn't like in it. And she's like, okay. And I said, but what about this one? She goes, you know, we need to keep playing it some. I do like the variety that it brings. So if you've been, if you're a fan of that series of games from Stronghold Games, definitely check out Clever Three Times. I don't think it's on the iPad yet. It just came over here to the States. Take a good look at it. And I was like, okay. And I said, but what's one of your favorite rolling rights? And she goes, and I've already talked about it, Bravo. That one's also from Stronghold. I talked about it recently on another show. We have played the mess out of Bravo, which is an enhanced version of Knock Mall. She loves her rolling rights, man. Matter of fact, while I was waiting on you to get ready to record because you were too busy going to Dunkin' to get your free drink, she wanted to play Quicks. So we were playing Quicks on the iPad. So Bravo, another great, if you enjoy your rolling rights, by all means, check that out. Matter of fact, her mother, who is 60 plus years old, loves Bravo too. She enjoyed the mess out of that. So uh, another good little rolling right from Stronghold Games. Well, you know, you're talking about uh, rolling rights, which is basically you got a pencil and pad and you're writing and drawing stuff. Let me tell you about an interesting game that I played over the weekend with my brother-in-law from Pegasus Spill. It's called Doodle Dungeon. So you're presented with this large piece of paper and it has a grid on it. And what you're trying to do is design the most difficult dungeon for a hero to be able to get through. You're going to be putting in walls and orcs and goblins and dragons that heroes must try to progress from the start to the exit in order to survive and get out of your dungeon and take as much treasure as you can. So you are the dungeon master trying to stop the guys coming in to raid your dungeon. You're designing the dungeon. Mm. And this is really cool how this is done. You got a deck of cards and you're going to reveal cards from the deck, a number of players plus one. And at the bottom of the card, it tells you what you get to draw on your piece of paper. It could be a certain shape of wall segments. It could be a dragon. It could be a goblin. It could be a trap. And you draft and you draw it on your sheet. And everybody drafts a card. And then uh, the leftover card is just discarded. Then you draw another set and you keep doing, you keep drafting until everybody has drafted 14 cards and filled out their dungeon on their paper. So by the end, you should have a lot of walls and a lot of monsters out on the board for the hero to be able to go through. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take your dungeon and pass it to the player to the left. They are going to act as the hero and draw a path through your grid of how they want the hero to progress from the start of the dungeon to the exit, from the entrance to the exit. And then they're going to hand that back to you. You're going to see how well your dungeon does against that hero. Because what happens then is the 14 cards that you drafted are dual-use cards, Tony. The bottom half of the cards told you what to draw. The top half are now actions that's going to be used in this phase of the game. So when it's your turn, you're the hero, you got a little meeple that you put at the start, he will move along the path that was drawn till it comes to a trap or a monster. If it hits a trap, it takes some damage. If it gets to a monster, then combat happens. And depending on whether it's a goblin, dragon, etc., uh, you can have different strengths of, of monsters. Goblin the weakest, dragon the strongest. You're going to roll 2d10, and then you're going to add the strength of that monster. If it exceeds 20, awesome. You just did damage to the hero 
and they take a certain amount of damage based on the monster. Let's say, for example, the dragon does three damage and you mark that that each hero has a little health bar and you mark it at the bottom shows you take some damage. If it's less than 20, the hero defeats the monster and the monster has just left the dungeon. He's like, forget this. I'm leaving the dungeon. And you cross out the monster on the board. You're going to keep going around and the, your hero is going to keep progressing. You're going to keep doing this combat. Now, Tony, one thing I didn't tell you that is really cool. You remember those cards I told you that you draft? Oh, I'm supposed to answer now. I'm, I'm intent. Yeah, this yeah. is supposed to be a conversation. Don't just sit back. I'm not going to sit here and talk for five minutes. It's an interaction. Oh, my here. bad. Yeah, you talked about these cards that you, you draft. Yeah. You know how in roller rights, typically you can like uh, like add, you know, mark off boxes mm -hmm. to change stuff. The same thing happens here. Some of those cards have, little, have uh, indicators where you can say you can cross off things on your sheet. The things you can cross off on your sheet is... By crossing off some boxes under the different types of monsters, you can make their strength higher. Or you can make traps deal more damage. Or you can increase your hand size. Or you can make treasures more valuable. So then you're also modifying, uh, based on those cards that you draft, how well those monsters fight and, and how much treasures are worth. Because when you get a card with a treasure on it, you actually don't draw it on the grid. You take your score sheet and mark. The grid is basically letters on one side and, and um, numbers across the top. And it's like battleship. Mm -hmm. You'll say, well, I'm going to put this treasure in this square. And then what you want to make sure to do is make the treasure in the same square as a monster. Because that monster is going to try to protect that um, treasure. And if a hero happens to cross over the path of that monster, if the monster wins, hey, you saved the treasure. It's going to be worth some stuff from victory points at the end. If the monster loses, well, the hero just took the treasure from you. And like these, these cards that I talked about, on your turn, you can play cards to like boost your monsters or make the traps more. But here's the cool part. Remember, you're, you're playing against everybody else. You want everybody else's dungeons to do horrible, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm playing against you, I want the hero in your dungeon to do as well as they can. So I could, I may have drafted a hero card that I put on your dungeon that may say, hey, the next time this hero comes over to a trap, he jumps over it and takes no damage. I could see that if the next space your hero is going to hit happens to be a trap, I can play that card and he jumps over it. Can you play anybody or only the people that are? Anybody. Anybody, okay. Any, that's what's cool is if it's a four, it plays two to four players. So I could play a hero card on anybody's dungeon. I want every hero in every other dungeon to do fantastic except mine because mm -hmm. I want the hardest dungeon. But those are only out of the 14 cards that you drafted. And they're a one-time use. So once you use them, they're discarded. So you have to be careful when you use them. You keep going until one of two things happens. Either the heroes die in the dungeon, they lose all their life, or they escape. And once everybody's done, you count up your points. For every monster that wasn't killed, you get points. The, like, like goblins give you one point, the dragons give you three. For every treasure that was not stolen and still protected by a monster, you get points. If you killed the hero, if the hero did not survive your dungeon, you get five points. But if the hero lived... You have to subtract the amount of health that has left. If there's 20 health on the hero and uh, he only took 15 damage, you subtract five from your total score. Person with the most points wins. It is amazing. It is so much fun. So question, this is not an asynchronous where I'm playing and you're playing. People are going to have to take turns moving so that everybody knows what's getting ready to happen, right? 
synchronously, everybody's drawing on their dungeon at the same right. time. So everybody drafts a card. And this is kind of, I'll admit, this part is solitaire. You're literally drafting mm-hmm. a card and just drawing yourself and then just keep drafting. Then yes, you must go player by player resolving each of the hero's actions because you can play cards on other people. Okay. And it's not, that card only affects one person. It's not like you have a, ever have a card that says, oh, dungeons. Right. Yeah. Okay. You have to pick who you're going to play that card on. Mm-hmm. And it plays, it says the time limit is about 45 to 60 minutes, which is true. And again, the first phase, solitaire. I'll totally admit it. But I think it's really cool that you're drafting cards in the first half to draw your dungeon. And then in the second half of the game, those same cards are then used to either make your dungeon harder or help out heroes on the table. Okay. I, I backed a Kickstarter a while, many moons ago when we were doing our quote RPG phase. And mm-hmm. it was a deck of cards that you would flip over and it would design your dungeon as you were playing. So you'd flip over and say, okay, here is that. So someone took that one step further, said, okay, here is the basic design behind this. And now we are going to actually make it into a game on this side mm-hmm. of it. That does sound yeah. like fun. Doodle Dungeon and the art is by the same guy who did Munchkin. Oh, okay. So it has that sa- it has that same whimsical feel to it. Pegasus Spiel. It is cool. Uh, my brother-in-law, he came up here for my son's graduation. We had a blast playing it. It is just really fun drawing your dungeon. And then in your dungeon, you try to basically bluff, right? I may have a hallway that has a dragon at the very end, but a lot of traps in between. And then you, you're sitting there thinking, crap, I think that dragon has a treasure. And then you have to make that, draw the hero to go and try to get it, knowing he's going to take damage along the way. Mm-hmm. Or do you say, now nah, forget it. I'm not going to go for that treasure. I'm going to try to make sure the hero gets out alive so that he takes a big hit and gets some negative points at the end. So even when you're drawing the path, you have to make some really interesting decisions. Well, first off, it's out of stock at Miniature Market. It's normally $22. So sorry, everybody. That's it? Yes, That's it? Now you can get That's it, a good deal. Now you can get it on Amazon for $50, but it's a German oh, in, it's a German import right now. So hopefully, um, you know, Miniature Market will get their stock back up. And I'm sure, you know, whenever they sell out, they're very good about, you know, getting things back in stock. Here, here's one clever thing. The first player marker is a pencil sharpener. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> so, because you're drawing so much, you need to constantly be sharpening your pencil. Oh, I didn't tell you this. You get templates. You have a little plastic template. Oh, that's cute. So that cute. when you draw your monsters, you, you just trace uh, in the square the type of monster or the wall that's being made. But yeah, okay. It does sound, I like the templates. That's cute. It reminds me of when we would take drafting at, at school. Mm-hmm. Techn- what was that class we had it was uh techn- was a technical drafting maybe te- 101 or something like that yeah it had the three boxes so now i got a template i can lay that out there or back in when visio was not a program you actually had a flow charting template <laughs> or you remember the spirograph you had the little templates yes the same as a little plastic template same sort of thing so anyway yeah that's cool uh D- doodle dungeon it's a it's be a fun family game dungeons we did get these solo games called Mazescape. For those of you who grew up at the time like Marty and I, you didn't have this thing called Google Maps. You had this thing called a map. Made out of paper? Made out of paper. And you can actually still get these things. And one of the best challenges was when you were on a road trip and your parents are driving and they're doing the map, 
when they were done with the map, they'd throw it in the back to the kids and say, fold it. <laughs> and that would keep you entertained for 30 minutes, you know, trying to get that map refolded. Because, you, you know, you had to fold it in a certain way to get it to fold inside. And if you screwed up, then it would be all bulky. And you, your mm-hmm. parents would look at you and say, do it again. And you'd have to do it again. But this game, think about folding maps. And the map is a dungeon. And it's a dungeon tracer or crawler. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a tracer. You got a little pointer. And uh, basically, uh, you, you've got, you have different sets of maps in here. And each map has a goal. I'll tell you, Tony. This is one of those things I don't think we can explain right. This is where we need a video because there's no way I can explain how this thing folds on itself and everything. Literally, you you kind of open up it like a book and you start tracing a path. And when you get kind of stuck at the end of the paper, the at the fold, you can maybe fold it up or fold it out to expose another page. And then you can move over to that page and the page you just left, you might be able to fold in on itself, then go back to that page mm-hmm. I don't know how to better explain it because it, it really needs a video. It is a super clever little maze. Yes. So the, the one rule is you can never fold or unfold a page where your pointer is. Your pointer always has to be, it's not supposed to leave the table, but guess what? I just went, okay, it's over here now, right? And, yep. and as long as you're folding it on a fold, it doesn't have to fold the same direction. You can fold it a different direction. And there the object is to go from the start of the maze to the end of the maze, unfolding and folding this map. And along the way, you may come across some quest items. You may have some pick up and deliver items. You may have to go defeat a monster. And there are, like Marty said, there's various maps. I think there's seven maps in there. And as you go through each of them, they get harder and harder and harder, which they have different ways to fold, different ways to open. And so, and I've made it through two of them. I have not I have not attempted the third one yet because I was getting frustrated <laughs> and I was like, okay, I just need to put this aside. And I said, okay, let's see how well Honey Bunny does on this. Let's see what Don what Donna does with this. Uh-huh. And I got as much joy watching her trying to do this. Watching her fold and refold and get there and go, I've already been here. I've already done this one. I've already folded it this way. Now, how did I get back here? How do I get up here? And I watched her flip it back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, Keep going. She goes, now, how am I supposed to collect to this? Oh, wait, this doesn't work. This is stupid. And I was laughing at her, and we were having a good time with it. So, yes, it's solo, but there was a little two-player interaction there. No, but, no, you need to fold it that way. No, don't fold it that way. No, leave, leave me alone. This is mine. I'm like, fine. To me, this is a lunch game. This is one mm-hmm. of those small game box games I leave in the desk. And during lunch, maybe pull out a map and try to play it. And Tony, it's super cheap. It's on pre-order right now at Miniature Market for just 8 bucks. Oh, yeah. $8 is worth it for all the... You're going to get a lot of hours of content out of this thing. And I will say, somebody was watching me play it at game night, and they go, that's stupid. And I go, well, you want to try it? No, that's stupid. And I'm like, just I dare, double dog dare you to try it. It's a very, very clever game. Oh, yeah. It's by... Devere games. Mm-hmm. There's two versions of the game with to- two totally different maps. So yeah, it's clever. It's just so clever. Go go find a video on it and see how it works. Tom did a review on it. Tom Vassal from the Dice Tower. And he shows you exactly how it, it, the folding and everything works. And he actually enjoyed the game yeah. too. And, and if you have a memory like mine or Marty's, you'll, you could go back to do number one and forget what you did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's true. Hey, also at game night, we got to play another really quick game too. It's called Bullet X. And this is from level 99 games. Now, this 
is almost like a, a, a phone app type game. Okay. Did you ever play Tetris 99 on the Switch? No. But do you know what that game is? Did you ever see it played? Yes. I, uh, 99 people were competing against each other to play Tetris and whoever could last the longest one. Yeah. And as you cl- uh, completed rows and stuff, you would send blocks to somebody mm-hmm. else. That's what this game is. Okay. So what you do is you have a, a grid of different color columns and you precede uh, the, your bag with some tokens. And when you say go, everybody pulls a token out of their bag and places it on the grid. Depending on what they, it'll have a color and a number. Uh, so you start at the top of the column matching the color and count down the number of open spaces till you get to the open spot and drop a, a token there. So if I had a one, it would go on the top. If I had a two and a one was already there, I would skip that first token, go down two more and drop it there. You don't want to get your column completely full because if you ever pull out a token and it falls all the way to the bottom, you take a damage. And depending on the character you're playing, you have some asymmetric characters giving you special abilities, but typically you get four damage, three or four damage, you lose the game. But here's how you mess with other people. Uh, At the beginning of your turn, you're going to draw cards and you're going to try to match patterns. So what you're trying to do is match the patterns that's on the board. And if you do, the card will say, okay, if you match this pattern here, it'll show spots on the grid to where if you have tokens in those spots, you remove them and hand them to the person to your left. And so it goes and sits at the top of their tableau. And so the more of these goals that you complete, you take tokens from your bag and you start throwing it to somebody else. You also have action points that you can spend on your turn that will allow you to possibly modify the board. Maybe I spend an action point to swap two items or spend an action point to take one token and move it up, down, left, or right one space. And this is where the different players have different characters that may have some different abilities. But what happens is whenever you have to pull everything out of your bag and resolve everything. Once you're done, any tokens that were given to you by the other player goes in your bag And then every round, new tokens from the general supply go into your bag and every round increases the number of tokens. So maybe the first round is four tokens, next round is five, next round. So eventually you're just going to end up dying. So it is, it was a lot, I played with uh, three people and it was a lot of fun to sit there and finish a combo card and then drop it on somebody else. And it was like, dude, what are you doing? And, you know, and at the end, of the end of the rounds, you may have seven or eight tokens that somebody just stuck you with that you got to stick into the bag. And basically the goal is to be the last one standing. Okay. So once you take all the damage, you're out of the game. And pretty soon everybody else will be knocked out of the game too. It is fun. And it plays fast. 15 minutes. It is super quick. Okay. Well, bring it to game night so I get to experience it. Yep. And literally, I told him, I said, it's like Tetris 99 because your goal is to complete rows, columns, et cetera, and then push uh, blocks and stuff to somebody else that they have to deal with on their next turn. Gotcha. Very, very clever game. Bullet X. Actually, Tony, I don't know why I've been saying it the whole time. It's not Bullet X. It's just Bullet. Actually, it's a bullet with a heart symbol at the end, but they don't have the heart symbol when you search for it. Just Bullet. I don't know where X came from. Bullet. Bullet. If you go to Miniature Market and just look for Bullet. You will find it, and you will find it for only $28.99. A while back, there was this game, and it was called, I think it was last year. It may have gotten some more. It's called um, 
Calico. Tell me about this because everybody raves about this game. And to be honest, Tony, the theme of that just really turned me off because I'm not into cat games. Well, it's not about a cat. Okay. It's patterns. Tile laying okay. and patterns. That's all there is to it. But it is challenging. Oh, my heavens. And what are you eating? Another fiber one bar? It is. It's a fiber one chewy bar. It's a chewy bar. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, good. I'm chocolate gra- chocolate peanut butter. Okay, well, then why don't you finish chewing on that, and I'll talk a little bit about Calico. So this was a game, you know, over at the Discord channel for our Roll Dice Take Names. We did a um, Secret Santa, and, mm-hmm. one, and one of the things that um, – my Secret Santa was give me a $30 gift card to my local game store, and I finally spent it on, wow. I know, it took me a while, on Calico. No, no buyer's remorse on this one. You actually opened it. Oh, yeah. Well, first off, I know Don enjoys tile laying games, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, so this is a, kind of a no-brainer for her. She loves patchwork. She, she likes the challenge of putting those various pieces together to achieve something. She's not a cat person like you. And I was like, oh, well, it has nothing to do with cats. But but what you have is you have on your quilting board, you have three types of patterns that you're trying to achieve to score points. Mm-hmm. And you can either achieve them by having the colors match the patterns or you can have the patterns match the patterns because there's various patterns on them. There's like uh, stripes and there's hearts and there's fern leaves and things like that. So if you can achieve both color matching the specific pattern they want and Mm -hmm. the style let's use the word style matching the pattern then you receive additional points yay so that's really what your goal is that's how you're trying to achieve the most points also if you have a certain style certain cats are going to come and want to lay on your blanket if you have a style of ferns they're going to come in, and if you have, oh, this cat likes to have three fern patterns, styles matching each other or touching each other, you may place that cat on it. Yay! Here comes a cat. Or if you have three colors the same, you may sew a button onto the quilt. So I taught her the game. I said, the game is simple to play, sweetie. You play a tile, you draw a tile, you put a tile in the market. Those are three steps that you got to do. The funny thing is we kept screwing up those three steps. It was, oh, it was hilarious. One time I looked at my board and I only had four more places to put tiles and I looked at her board and she still had six spots on her board. I'm like, wait a minute, how did I get two steps ahead of you? (laughs) And she goes, I don't know. And I'm like, oh my heavens. So if you enjoy the tile lane, patchworky style games, recommend this from the standpoint of it is a brain teaser. It is frustrating to say, if I could just pull this piece, I would like to try it with more people than the two of us. So more pieces will come out of the bag because there were certain ones that we needed and we never saw them. I was like, well, dadgummit, if only this pattern or this color with this pattern match, I could have achieved that goal. I don't know what the best way to score on this is, but we're having a blast. She really enjoys it. So it's one of those things where you get those two player games out and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. But it's also, since the mechanics are so simple, I think it is something that once again, her mom loves playing games with this. I think she would enjoy this one. So that of course is Calico AEG. Uh, uh, art is by Beth Sobel. I don't know if that name uh-huh. So yep. very intriguing. I want you to try it because I know you love patchwork. I, I mean, I don't know that I love it, but I mean, it's fine. It's a fine game. Yeah, you're not much into the, those puzzly type games, are you? Oh, 
the tile lane puzzly games. I mean, you're not a big Carcassonne fan. It's okay. It's okay. It's not one of those that I will I will gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. But now comes the big one. Well, I don't, it's it's not a big one. It's a little one actually. I just wanted to tease this real quick. So. If, for those who don't know, Tony and I got into gaming through CCGs. And one of the hottest CCGs recently is uh, Flesh and Blood. And they just came out with what they call Blitz decks, which are like starter decks in their latest release from Monarch. So I got each of the four and Tony and I sat down and basically opened up a deck and then realized, okay, Tony, I must admit, from our old school CCG days, when you open up a deck of cards, what's one of the first things that's going to be in there? It's probably a fold out of the rules, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no rules no in this rules. box. I'm like, how do I play this game? So we had to go online and there's like quick start rules that kind of got us started. But that wasn't enough because we got into it. It's like, well, how does this thing work? So we, we sat down and tried to get our way through one game. I will say... When I first saw this game and everybody just going gaga over, I thought it's just magic. What's the big deal? It's just magic. But it is a little bit different in that with magic, you're putting out allies and monsters and and minions and stuff and trying to fight each other. The same thing with things like uh, ashes also. This one, yes, you're trying to beat the other person by taking their life points down to zero. But what's different? It's mano a mano. And at the very, very beginning of the game, you each have a hero, but then you equip them. You can equip them with armor, such as a helmet, chest piece, hands, legs, and then you give them a weapon. And what happens is at the very beginning game, you're super strong. But as you use that equipment, and typically the equipment's usually to block damage and stuff, it starts going away because you use it and it's gone. So you get weaker over time. I don't have much else to say about it, except it just intrigues me. I think it's an interesting theme, Tony. And I, I think the deck building is kind of interesting also because you can pick a type of fighter, whether it be like light or dark. and Well, a type of fighter like be like magic or warrior. And then there's light or dark. And then the, the deck building has to do with, well, if you the cards you include must be light if you're doing a light hero. And then also must be the type of hero that it is. Maybe, you know, it's a fighter or, or whatever like that. So... I don't know. We just kind of messed with one game. <laughs> Two things I really noticed right off the bat was the art is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely amazing. The graphic design is amazing. But Tony, that is some really, really tiny, tiny, tiny print on those cards. Yeah, there was one card. I was like, do I need to flip it over to finish reading it? Holy <laughs> cow. Well, if this happens and this happens and, and this keyword occurs, oh man. As with any game. Learn your keywords, learn the process, learn how that, how it flows. How about just learn the rules? I still think we got to get the rules down because I mean, literally the rules were like, you have one action point per turn, go. Yeah. I mean, I mean the whole resources on a card, use a card to do this. But like I said, it's a process. Do this. This causes this to happen and, and you're good to go. I look back at Netrunner. The first time we played Netrunner, we were like, what the heck is going on here? How does mm-hmm. this happen? How am I burning someone? I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. I wanted to, I was going to pick up uh, uh, some decks for myself just so that, you know, we would be able to just dabble a little bit more in it. And then I saw these booster packs and then I saw the price of them too. I was like, holy cow, RDT. Where did you see it? Miniature market. How much are the, uh, the individual booster packs? Just out of curiosity. And by the way, uh, I give credit to them what they're trying to do is them uh, the, the company who makes this we've talked about what wizards is doing in magic 
they're finding out they can make a lot more money on Amazon by avoiding the distributor and not necessarily relying on the local game store. The reason why this product is called Flesh and Blood because this company says, no, 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 we want you to play in Flesh and Blood. We want you to sit down with friends at a game store and play, and we want to support the retailers as much as possible. They're a small company, but they're trying to fill a niche that Magic is starting to pull away from. Magic, hey, we're going digital. Buy direct from Amazon. Flesh and Blood saying, well, fine, we'll step in and we want to work directly with the retailer and help them out and go that way. So did you find out the price? I sure did. So you can get the four set of four um, Blitz decks for $55. That's not bad. That's not bad. The Flesh and Blood TCG Monarch Unlimited Edition Booster Box for $80. Yep. A booster pack, first edition, is 17 Well, that's first edition. So here's where I don't know much about yeah. it. There's first edition boxes. There's unlimited. So unlimited is going to be way cheaper. Yeah, unlimited. Yeah, three feet. Because I was going to say the first edition of 24 boosters is $400. Yeah. So no, the the other the regular booster packs are like 4 bucks, 425 something like that. Yeah, and then there's the whole um, Welcome to the Wraith, R-A-T-H-E. That was another uh, release earlier. Okay. And then Crucible of War. So that's another set. So the set that's out now is Monarch. Right. And you can pick up Crucible of War booster box at Miniature Market for a mere $1,500. Well, that's first edition, I would assume. It says Alpha first edition. It's not first edition. It is Alpha. So here's the thing. That's why that product is going crazy. A lot of people like it. The people, the guys over at Team Covenant are playing. I don't know. It's not one of those things. I'm like, oh, we'll go out buy a bunch of booster boxes. I was just intrigued. Like, what? What is it about this game that's drawing people to it? I heard this comparison between Netrunner. I haven't seen that comparison yet, but I just need to learn how to play the game better. But again, the, the art is just absolutely stunning. And the concept of equipping your hero with a bunch of equipment at the beginning of the game. That's kind of interesting. I don't know. We'll see. And I guess, I mean, I make fun of the $80, but when I think back to our Lord of the Rings. We probably played that much. Now, how many packs are in a... Oh, there's only 24 packs. See, that's the difference. I think in Lord of the Rings, it was around 36, 32 mm-hmm. or 36 packs. Yeah. So I was like, okay, but still, I don't know how many are in the pack. There we go. We'd start draft night. Throw the packs out, draft, 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 draft. Uh, it's 15 uh, cards per pack. I can't remember what Lord of the Rings was at 13 or 16. I can't remember. It was roughly in that same uh, ballpark too. Yeah. So anyway, uh, just, you know, good luck to those guys. I wanted to see what it was about. I still need to dabble it into some more, really learn the rules and just, we got these starter decks. We'll just monkey around with it. And yeah. See what and what's with all this vampire theme stuff? The vampire theme yeah, stuff? Yeah, flesh and blood. I mean, I know they said flesh, but these were vampires. They looked like vampires on my card. Well, I mean, you had shadow guys, but they're not necessarily vampires. Oh, okay. Again, the f- the flesh and blood was the whole thing of sitting down with the real person and playing. That's what the name of it came from. That's overrated. Why do I want to sit down with you? Oh, my gosh. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Tony, we typically like our abstract games. And recently, we got a copy of Mandela Stones from... Publisher Board and Dice and designer Philip Klawitz, who actually works with uh, Board and Dice. And I got to play it separately several times. I handed it off to you mm-hmm, to play, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to try it out. Number one, a gorgeous game. The, the stones in this are just super nice. And the little worker that you move around to collect stones is really cool. But it's an abstract game. On your turn, you're trying to collect stones off of a board. 
Uh, you're going to move a worker and basically collect stones around it, matching the design that's at the top of the worker that you just placed. There's only two designs. And you're going to stack them on your board. And then at some point in time in the future, you can score whatever you stack, but you can only score the stacks where the top color matches. That's well, yeah. You call out a, a color and you say, yes. That's what I'm scoring. Or a very valuable rule that you should not leave out from your wife is, or you can just pull the top stone on, on every stack as many as you want and score just one point for those. Yes, which is important because you may want to set up a future scoring by making sure that the tops of the stacks are the same color for a future score. Right. And the victory points you get are dependent on which uh, the stacks you're pulling from. One stack says based on the number of towers you have and the number of stones you have in it, you get X amount of points. Uh, you get, And then you get another stack. If you have only one stone in, it's worth four points. The more stones you get, the less valuable. Then the, there's the one that's the reverse of that. Mm -hmm. The more stones you have in it and you just take off the top. So the next time you would score for a shorter stack and there's one for how many different colors that you have. So there's like five different scoring phases. And then you put them out. Any stones that you score, you put on a central board that has a spiral on it and as you cover up certain spots on that board there could be one that gives you an additional point additional two points and then depending on the number of players once you cover up a certain spot on that spiral that will trigger the end of the game person with the most points wins oh there's also some hidden scoring cards that can also help you in your final scoring too right so simple rules if we're going to do hashtag shorts here on youtube it's place a worker to pick stones or score from your board that's it and placing the worker is really interesting because when you put a worker, so you got all these stacks of four stones stacked around this board and, and spaces in the middle to put a little worker column. You have four columns and two of them have two designs. The other two have the other two designs of whatever is on tops of the stones. And when you put it there, you only pick out the matching stones. But if it just so happens, there's a worker on the other side of one of the stones that you're wanting to claim, you can't claim it. It's blocked. And you must pick them up in a certain order and stack them from bottom to top as you pick them up clockwise. And they must be stacked that way on your board. And once there's a stack there, you can't add any more stacks. And it's an artist, Marty. It's an artist. Artist. I said, yeah, I'm saying the wrong thing. Total wrong thing. You said your wife liked it? Donna loves it. She absolutely loves it. I told her this is Azul meets Potion Explosion, two of her favorite games. Which do you like better, Azul or this? This, Mandela Stones, we prefer this over that, uh, over Azul. Um, she likes, it's harder to set up, but she likes the interaction with it. And she definitely wants to play with more than um, two players to see how that does. Here's the only downside that we saw. You can't think about your turn until it's your turn. No, you can't. It's like Potion Explosion. And you, you and I made the same comment without even talking to each other about it. It's the exact same thing is the board is going to change so much, especially I played with four players. Mm. The board changes so much by the time, time it gets back to you. You might as well drink some drinks and talk to the other players because there's no way you can plan until it's your turn. That's right. Break out the switch. Start playing yep. a little video game. This, this way it goes. But fun. Every game we've played, and we've only done the two-player, has been very tight in the final scoring. I've never not had a successful in-game scoring come out. I've always been able to achieve that. Lots of strategy. Strategy from the standpoint, especially with two, in trying to manipulate what the other people need to do. Moving those artists, you really got to think through that because you don't want to set somebody else up to gather four stones. Yep. 
or you want to move it so that you only gather one and then possibly block them. And the other big thing from it is you're always looking at how you can do the multiple scorings because if you have a bunch of the reds on top, you want that next color to be the same, same blue. So you can do multiple scoring because those points on that Mandela board are big because you don't want to leave those exposed to people. A lot's going on. This game is simple to play, but a lot of strategy. My wife even said it reminded her a little bit, not as complexity, of chess because of that thinking process, the strategy aspect of it. And I definitely think it's easier to teach than Azul. I think I could teach uh, people this one way easier than I can't explain how Azul works. Unless you're trying to say, okay, you're going clockwise. The first one you pick up is the bottom piece. Don't stop doing it. Don't put it on top. No, put it down. Put it on the board. Here's what got me about that one rule is you had to hold out the palm of your hand and pick it up and stack. You know what we started doing? We started going counterclockwise from the last one because then you could just pick, 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 put it on your board with one hand. Easy enough. I agree. Barely an inconvenience. You know? <laughs> so that's Mandela Stone from Board and Dice. Fantastic abstract game. Plays in about 30 minutes. Two to four players, great game. Five-minute initiative is complete. Tell you, Tony, it seems like every week, Miniature Market's having a huge sale. We can't keep up with it. We've actually reached out to Miniature Market and said, give us a heads up when these sales are coming up so that we can talk about them. And it's like, well, they just come out so fast. By the time you guys are ready to record and everything, we've already got a new one lined up. That's why you need to constantly go out to miniaturemarket.com, sign up for their newsletter so that you can be notified of sales and everything. And uh, I noticed on their front page, they're still talking about their CCG uh, zipper case and their card cases, which they just came out with, and those are starting to get some really good reviews. Every time I show one of those to somebody, they just fall in love with it. And when I tell them the price for the big cases, I hold over 600 cards, both of them are just $11.99. It's like, I've got to go get one of those. So they have some amazing products that have their, their brand on them. They, they somehow sourced them from somewhere and made them really inexpensive and they're solid products. So to find out more about that and all the amazing sales, head over to miniaturemarket.com All right, so the next game we got out at Board Game Night with Marty and Tony. Can we copyright that? Board Game Night? Why would we? Why would we even? Why would we? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't make a good shirt or anything. No, it would not. Um, Imperium. Now, we did not do the classics. We did Legendary. This is designed by Nigel Buckley and David Turtsey. Mm-hmm. Um, publisher is Osprey Games, one of our favorite publishers. Well, everybody's a favorite of rolling dice and taking names. <laughs> Let's be honest here. And this, and Tony's simplistic way of looking at it, this is a deck builder where you're trying to build a civilization that will create an engine for you when it's your turn that stays on the table longer than you thought it was. That's a pretty darn good synopsis right there. Uh, when I first was learning about this game, I immediately thought, oh, this is Imperial Settlers. It's not Imperial Settlers. Mm -mm. With Imperial Settlers, yes, it's a card game. Yes, you get cards on the table. Yes, it makes an engine. But what's different about this, this is a deck building game. Mm -hmm. You draw cards from your hand, you use those cards, you discard, you draw another hand of cards. 
and what you do with those cards. There's a lot of different things you can do. There's, like you said, Tony, there's cards that you can put out on the table. You can use cards to claim cards from like a market row in the middle. There's different types. There's like region cards and location cards, et cetera. You can claim all those. But what's really interesting is everybody has a certain civilization that they're playing. And the Legends has different civilizations than what's in the Classic. And they all work somewhat different, especially the ones in the Legends. But the most basic is, is that you start out as a barbarian nation. And uh, you have a stack of development cards that every time you go through the deck, you'll add one of those cards to your deck that starts increasing or developing your nation. Once you work through that entire deck, you actually shift from a barbarian nation to an empire. And then at that point, you have a different set of cards that after you go through your deck and you have to reshuffle, you can buy one of those new cards to put in your deck that are really super powerful at that point. So Tony, that mechanic I thought was really cool. You actually want to go through your deck as fast as you can to add in those new cards into it in order to start kind of building your special engine for your faction. But there's always something in a deck builder that's going to slow you down. Mm -hmm. And that is if you go to the market to claim cards, there is civilization unrest. You may be expanding too much. You may be taxing your people. You may be going to war and killing the sons uh, of the citizens that you have. And so unrest will build over time. And that's going to slow your deck down. Now, does this unrest create anything for you other than just slowing your hand down? It does. There's no negative impact to it other than negative points at the end of the game. And the only way you win this game is with having the most victory points. No, you don't want those in, in your deck typically because they are worth minus two points a piece. But there's ways to call those, Tony. On the cards, it says if you want to, you can spend X amount of resources to get rid of them or... On your turn, you can discard your entire hand, do nothing, but take every unrest card in your hand and put it back into the middle of the table in order to get it out of your deck. Right. Another thing you could do, too, is discard your entire hand to claim one of the middle cards also. Because you have to have a card that says to be able to acquire something from the, from the middle in order to get it. But sometimes, it, man, I just really want that piece of land right there because it's going to generate some resources I want. Discard your entire hand and claim it. Right. So a good way to say, I don't need to do anything this turn, or I got a bunch of crud in my hand, a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to really play it. I don't can't tell you how many times in Ascension I had that happen where I'm like, I don't want any of this stuff. It's not going to do me any benefit. Now, when you're civilized and you need to build up your empire, as you're doing that, that's what's going to cost you some resources. You may be spending mm -hmm. victory points or a population. Yeah, there's there's multiple resources. There's population and there's resources in order to spend to buy things. Yeah, and those come into your hand as well. So they all that's coming together to form an engine. Some of those cards, now I know for the group, the, the race I played, that one card was the way for me to get victory points at the end of the game. I had to get that in my hand. And I had to be watching y'all because in-game can be triggered multiple ways. So you've got to watch that. It's like Marty may trigger the in-game in his civilization or or I may do it on my side. Or if a, if a certain stack of cards disappears, in-game is triggered. Yeah, there's a market a deck of market cards in the middle of the table. If, if that's going. And typically, we were playing Funky Factions, the game that you played, mm -hmm. that totally broke a lot of the rules. I was playing Utopians, Mark was playing Arthurians, and it was totally different. Mark was over there trying to complete quests. So again, if I was to start anywhere, I would recommend Classics first, 
because the nations and everything are a little more straightforward, the really wacky ones are in this version here, the Legends. I enjoyed them. I did too. I agree. I, w- I wish I we had a copy of Imperium Classics. It's one of those things maybe we'll order from Miniature Market because I would like to give the Viking Civilization a try, see what that's all about, the rating. I'm sure that's part of that. And see how it works with the Persians, the Romans, the Macedonians, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had King Midas, man with the mm-hmm. golden touch. My race was all about conquering lands because, because my way was spend a resource to be able to do this with a card to get a victory point or a V point as we kept calling it that night. And the more of those I could generate, the better off or discard a, a bunch of lands, put them in my discard pile. And then I could then um, bring out, gain some more cards. And that was kind mm-hmm. of the neat things. But there was something about this game that um, you talked about. I think it was, Oh, what was the term where you put a card underneath a card? Um, you could show- garrison garrison. Garrison, yes. Yeah. So any of the cards you have played out on the table may have the option to garrison, which is another way to t- temporarily get an unrest card out of your deck where it's not clogging up your deck. Now, it will still count as negative two victory points, but you may have cards in your hand that will let you recall cards off the table, and that unrest will come back into your hand so you get rid of it later. But if it's really clogging up your deck right now, you could garrison it. But there's also another place, Tony, history. Some card, sometimes it says, uh, remove this from the game and put it in your history pile. When it goes into your history, you never see from it again. But some factions have cards that say, if you want to score this card, it's got to be in your history deck at the end of the game in order to count. Very asymmetric factions. They all work a little bit different, but they all have these basic concepts that they work on. Basic deck builder, spend resources, claim cards, and then really read the text on your cards to learn how your faction works. For me, I love deck builders. Always have, always will. And for me, this game was top notch. Even though it was on the table a little bit long, I didn't mind it. I was going to say the only downside to me was it can get a little long. Like the other night, Mark had a really good engine with his Arthurians, but it, it was so good. His turn took forever. I'm going to do this to be able to do this, to be able to do this, to be able to do this, to be able to. And we're just watching him. He's going, that all seems legit. So his turns could take a while because that's just how his engine worked. Imperial Settlers could be the same way. Mm -hmm. Once you get your engine going, or 51st State, you could have a lot going on during that turn. It says 40 minutes per player. That is legit. Mm -hmm. For two to four players, or there's also a solo mode, and it's just one to four. 40 minutes per player is right. You're playing four players. You're spending two to two and a half hours easily. And one of the things is, just like we talked about in Empires of the North, where we talk about you need to know the other factions so that you can mm-hmm. maybe stop them. Because there are some cards, and I, we didn't see it in our game because our factions were kind of solitary. I was keeping yeah. to myself. I really didn't see. I needed to conquer lands. I didn't need to bother y'all. There's these battle cards that are part of it Mm -hmm. where if I play this, y'all will end up having to get rid of some of your cards. I can destroy your engine. I didn't see that. You told me in the games that you played previously that 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 was happening. That was irritating. It was really irritating because there was one card that says, everybody take an unrest. It's like, come on. Or recall one of your lands or regions in play and put it back in your hands. Like, great. So that's what these attack cards allow you to interact with other players. Just so happens, like you said, the factions that we played the other time didn't have a lot of those. But there are some that really have a lot of player interactions. And they are very annoying when they come out and hit you, especially taking the unrest. Because, again, unrest is minus two points. And if you get five or six of those in your deck, and it doesn't matter where the unrest is, 
garrisoned in your deck, in your history, in your draw deck, it's all minus two points. And one of the other items I noticed in our game, and once again, it depends on the factions, it was we weren't in the market very much. It just, it didn't need to happen. I had what I needed to get my engine going. In the game that we played that you weren't there, we triggered the end of the game by going through the entire market deck. There you go. That's what makes every faction unique, right? So every game that you play with a different set of factions is going to feel very different. I, I really liked it. It's They call it a civilization game. I guess it kind of is. I guess you kind of have your own little tech tree uh, somewhat. Oh, what's interesting too is some of those early cards that you get, which are barbarian guards cards, once you become civilized and build your empire, you can't use those anymore because you're no longer barbarians. So those take up your deck too until you find a way to garrison them or get into your history pile or those are going to clog up your hand too. Yeah. So the, all these little things are happening that are really cool. Yeah. And you got to trust that the people are doing the right thing. And another thing is classics and legendary, am I saying, it, is it legend? It's legendary. Legends. Classics and legends. They're interchangeable. You could play, I could be the Vikings and you could be the Utopians. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a good thing. So you can pick them up and they're not that expensive if I don't, if I remember correctly. It's not that expensive of a game over at Miniature Market. That's miniaturemarket.com where you can get all your gaming needs. Oh, we've already cut down the commercial. How about $29.99 pre-order right now? That is not bad. That's a good deal. It's regularly 40 bucks and they only got it for, for 30 bucks essentially. And if this sells, you just keep dropping factions out. Exactly. So, you know, that that's Imperium. It's from Osprey Games. I know you said everybody's one of the favorites, but Osprey Games with the Undaunted and you know, now this game, you know, they they've been putting out some some quality stuff. They've won previous squirrelies. They have. And and this is a solid game right here. I'll give them that too. And you know what? They've got uh, the new Undaunted expansion coming out this year. So who knows? Maybe that'll win an expansion. Yeah, reinforcements, mm -hmm. which can be That's used right. with both either Africa or Normandy. Correct. Which is, what was it? Yesterday was the 77th anniversary of the landing of Normandy. There very cool. Go. Very, very timely. So that is Imperium, either Legends or Classics. Uh, from Osprey Games on pre-order right now. At the release of this episode, this upcoming weekend is Father's Day. In our last episode, we talked about a contest we're going to be having where we said, hey, everybody, send in your best dad jokes, and we'll pick some of those, and we're going to read them on air. Now, Tony, the contest is still going on at the time of this recording, but we have got a lot of dad jokes in that we just want to discuss and maybe pitch out there and see how they are. Now we're still, since we're still taking entries, we're not going to be able to announce the winner at the recording of this episode that will happen after the contest closes. But Tony, what's your, what's your definition of a dad joke? Fast and funny and punish. Fast and funny and punish. Okay. It's an eye roller. It's going to make me go, oh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, let me see if this is a good example of one for you. Okay. This is from Patrick. It said, I parked at my parents' house and saw my stepdad slumped over the lawnmower crying his eyes out. I said to my mom, what's going on? My mom turned to me and said, he's just going through a rough patch. Now, number one, kudos, because not only is it a dad joke, it's a lawnmower joke. That's right. It's going to be hard to beat that one. So Patrick is playing to the judges, so, so good for him. Also, a dad joke is if you think just hard enough, you should be able to catch the pun that's going to happen to you. Yes, yes. All right. So from the form, by the way. 
Tell, tell, talk to me. What you got? By the way, you can, I mean, people emailed these to us and they went to our Google form and submitted them. So, you know, I always like the fast ones. So here comes a fast one for, what do you call it when the alphabet goes to the bathroom? A vowel movement. <laughs> I giggled at that one. Yeah. <laughs> I giggled at that one. Hey, you know what? Mom jokes, we count those two. And we got one here from Candace that said, this is a mom joke because I'm a mom. Send it in. Here we go. Why do mer- <laughs> I must admit this one took me a second before I got really? it. Really? Okay? I love this one. This is it one of my favorites. Why do mermaids wear seashells? Because D shells are too big and B shells are too small. I love it. It took me a second. <laughs> it took that's good. That's a good one. Uh, I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cute. I like that. Ah, that's funny. See, playing on those words, making you think. Mm-hmm. All right. I had to fire the guy I hired to mow the lawn. He just didn't cut it. <laughs> See, another one. Playing off the lawn. Very good. Very good. Okay, so help me out with this one, Tony, okay? All right. This is from Mike. I like to be organized, but I'm also a hunter. So I put all my ducks in a row. Then I shot them. Now I don't know what to do. Help me out here because it's going over my head. All right. So he's uh, the expression, you know, I got to get my ducks in a row so that I know that everything's good to go. But by killing them, I don't know what to do now because they're no longer in a row. I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm a, I had to kill them because I'm a hunter, but now I'm unorganized. Is it bad when it has to be explained to me? Uh, it, it's a little deep for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. I mean, it's not, I mean, B shells, C shells, D shells, and she sells them <laughs> by the seashore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So dad said, did you hear about the actress who just killed herself? Mom? No. Who was she? Uh, I can't remember. I think her name was Reese something. Witherspoon? No. It was with a knife. Boom, boom. Okay, this is from our buddy Bert. Now, this is also playing off our background mm-hmm. here. I caught my son chewing on electrical cords, so I had to ground him. He's doing better currently, but now conducting himself properly. <laughs> wow. I got them all in there. Current, conducting. Conductor, yeah, ground. ground. That was good. Oh, that was good electrical engineering joke or electrical joke right there. What do you call a wet iPhone on a stove? An iPod. I don't get it. I was hoping you would explain that one to me. A wet iPhone on a stove. An iPod. I'm, I'm missing the the wording. Maybe I'm reading it. I, I, an, an iPod, iPod, instant pot. No. Yeah. So I was hoping you explain that one no, to me, uh, but I, I guess not. Maybe somebody can explain that one to us. So help, help us out there. Sam actually sent in too. <laughs> Why am I laughing at these? What is red and bad for your teeth? A brick. That see, are those? And I understand why those are joke dad jokes because. They're literal. They're, they're, they're straight. I mean, it's, yes, it is. Plain and simple. Okay. Well, well, speaking of which, this one is one of my favorites. Okay, hold on, hold on. See, I'm falling along those, that theme. Okay, all right. right. What did the farmer say when he lost his tractor? What? Where's my tractor? <laughs> so, a brick, where's my tractor? I mean, it's, come on. They, they're bad jokes. Is a dad joke a bad joke? Is a dad joke a bad joke? Yeah. Not necessarily. Okay. 
What? Yeah, I love this one. Again, I like this one. What is the difference? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I literally laughed out loud when I read this. And here we go. <clears throat> I got to do this straight face. Here we go. What is the difference between a literalist and a kleptomaniac? A literalist takes things literally, and a kleptomaniac takes things literally. <laughs> so clever that's a good one. Oh, that was a good one that was a good one oh, what do you call a fake noodle an impasta ah, ah nice Get a sh- should have got Bonacore to do that mm-hmm. what do you call a vampire mixed with a wa- werewolf Dracula's furry board gaming Dracula's furry it tied in board gaming, tied in a, okay. Well, here, here going back to the other one, uh, Ken said, how can you tell when a joke is a dad joke? The punchline is apparent. Oh, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> oh. That's the eye roll right there. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. Now, this one, you and I both had to had a discussion on. Yeah. And I appreciate, you know, I think, I'm not going to say who sent it in, but. Here we go. I'll screw this one up. Older forms of English kept Latin's gender-specific suffixes. Tor and tricks. Tor is for men and tricks is for women. So a male pilot is an aviator and a female pilot is an aviatrix. All right. A male fighter is a gladiator, which is also what dice in the ball are. They're gladiators in arena. A female fighter is a gladiatrix. This contrasts with the modern system, where Tor is for both men and women, and tricks are for kids. But oh, boom! Well, it took a long time to get there, but it got there. It did. You saw it coming. You knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming, because as soon as I heard tricks, I went. Nah, first thing I thought was actually tricks are for kids. All right, Tom. Tom has got a couple here. Here we go. A detective stopped by my house and said he was looking for a man with one eye. I said, well, if you use both, you're probably going to find them quicker. A police officer came to my door and asked me where I was between seven and eight. <laughs> I told him second grade. <laughs> I don't, I understand. He's talking about age there, right? Yes. <laughs> see, see, that one doesn't resonate with me. Oh, but it does okay. with you, obviously. It did. It did. Oh, rock dog. Why does a duck have feathers? <laughs> Tied his butt quack. <laughs> That's what resonates with me. I like that. <laughs> oh, and uh, here, here's one more just to finish it off. Uh, Victor said, do pencils poop? Well, how do you think you get number two pencils? Okay, this one right here, I actually did not get, and I had to think about. Is Santa good at karate? Yes, because he has a black belt. He has the belt around. I, I took it too literal. I was a kleptomaniac. He literally has a black belt, belt yes. that he wears. That's what it took me a second to realize. Oh, no, he that's that's the literal little. He really does have a black belt. He does have a he A brick is bad for your teeth. Where's my tractor? exactly exactly so anyway oh my gosh oh i'm sure we're going to get a lot more over the week that's just some of the ones that were sent in thanks to everybody who sent them in those 
those put a smile on my face. Those were funny. Those were funny. And obviously, if, if you're a dad, happy Father's Day this uh, upcoming week. I hope you enjoy it and celebrate it. And uh, if you're appreciative of your dad, make sure to go let him know because he would appreciate hearing that. Before we get out of here, Hold Tony, on, hold on. Got one thing to say. One of the funny, yes. one of the funniest things that came out of this dad joke, mm-hmm. if, if y'all have not listened to, what was 320? Was Vanessa at the start? I'd give Mar. I'd give you twenty five dollars to keep Marty from telling him. <laughs> when she said that, I said, "Okay, we can stop the show now." <laughs> that was off the cuff too. She she just pulls that stuff right off the cuff. She says, "I got an idea," and then she'll look at me and go, "Is that good?" I went, "No, that's perfect. That's perfect." Sometimes it's hard for me not to laugh right as she's doing it because it'll ruin the recording. Mm-hmm. All right, so before we get out of here, Tony, you and I are still enjoying our eWin chairs, where you can still get a discount from eWin Racing for 30% off using the code RDTN. So they reached out to us. Did you know they make gaming desks? No, I did not know that until I saw the emails. They want us to check out one of their new gaming desks. And the desk I'm sitting at right now, I have had probably 20 years, and it is horrible. It is beat up. It is a heavy clunker. It takes up too much space and I can barely fit the Mod 2 monitors on here. So they have sent a gaming desk to try out that's sleek. It's carbon fiber. It's got a little drink holder. It's got a little bit uh, smaller footprint than what I've got here. It's got RGB lights so I can look really cool and techy as they light up and everything. So I cannot wait to get that set up. I got to figure out, I got to kind of redo everything here where I'm sitting now and get rid of this desk and everything. But just like the chairs, Tony, you're going to be able to get 30% off any product over at EWIN Racing just by using our code RDTN. So I'll go get this assembled, put a little video together, show you what it was before, what I was dealing with before, and uh, what it looks like when I'm done. So one of the things I noticed when I went out to the site to look at these things was and I think all desks need to start, and I'm sure they are, is you know how things have USB ports so that you can mm-hmm. just plug them in and get power. I think this desk, it has wireless charging. Just put your phone on the desk, and you can charge your phone, if I'm not mistaken. Too bad my phone doesn't have wireless charging. Oh, mine does, so why don't you just bring this over to my house? I don't know if it's that version. There's two versions. Okay. One has the wireless charging, one does not. So it may not be that one. Because I was looking at that, I was like, okay, that is pretty darn slick. Now, I'll be interested to hear, like, you know, I'm curious where you're going to put your computer. I'm curious how that will stack in there. If you'll be able to locate it, I can't wait to see pictures on this. Well, it'll just be on the floor like it is right now. Okay. It doesn't have like a little sleeve in the back of it or the place where you can do it and run your cables and all that. No, there are holes in the desk for running up cables from the uh, through the desk. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to have the the tower sitting on the floor and the cables running up. But what's nice here, and as you can see, Tony, I'm using a an arm for my microphone. It is clumsily attached over to the side of a pullout drawer over here. And with that desk, it's thin all the way around. So I can now attach this microphone arm out of the way. And for streaming, I can actually put the camera at a decent spot. And it's also probably going to try to help with echo too, because I'm talking into an alcove in this desk. So a lot of things will be going on when that desk gets put up. And I'm looking at it from the standpoint of being able to roll your chair underneath it as well, because you have the thin legs. And for most desks, like the one we have, is, you know, it's got the two sides with the drawers and everything. 
This is a paperless society, people. Come on. How many times? I opened this desk drawer that I'm sitting in right now. Why do I need paper clips? Problem is, is I got crap in the drawers. I got the same sort of desk and I got a bunch of crap. That's what I got to figure out, dude. I got like files and stuff in there. They got to figure out where, where to go and junk like that. We'll, so. get, we'll get you one of those rolling filing cabinets that we have uh, in our offices is we get rid we are, we've gotten rid of all the desks that have drawers in them and they just have these little rolling filing cabinets. Yeah. That's probably, that's probably the way to go. But again, uh, still love our chairs and what it was just recently actually somebody said, Hey, Oh, it was Chevy uh, from portal games. Uh, good friend. Chevy, he said that uh, he ordered one of the E-Win chairs. Yeah. That, I enjoy mine even though I'm sticking to it right now, but that's because I forgot to turn down the air conditioning up here. So, all right. Well, with that, I'm going to do another incredible segue. Keep rolling dice and taking names. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Come join our Discord channel, y'all. We are having so much fun over there. Remember, with Mario Golf coming out, we're thinking about maybe doing some online games of playing that. You can find our link over on our website at RollDiceTakeNames.com, along with all of our other social media links. Come join, subscribe, come hang out with us. Hey, Marty, I hope everybody had a good time tonight. Well, they were. Then they started listening to this show. (laughs) 